<laughs> I have a tuxedo preaching to tux and saying, I don't think so. All right, let's go to the book of Exodus chapter number 19 tonight, and let's have a wonderful time as we enter into a brand new week. What this week shall hold, nobody knows, but God does. Now, <coughs> in chapter number 19, uh, verse number 1 through 4, Tonight's message has to do with you and I being carried on eagle's wings. You cannot run your life, and if you think you will, if you think you do, if you think you could, God will show you that you are not in charge as a Christian of your own life to a certain degree. And uh, there's going to be a time when God will allow you to see for yourself that he's the one that carries you. Now, that, that goes against our pride, but God loves to get glory and honor for himself by the way he treats us. And isn't it amazing, out of all the things God could have done to Israel, what he did do to them is he brought them up out of Egypt and he carried them on eagle's wings, so to speak. Let's look at it. Chapter number 19. Hold your place there, please. Let's pray and let's ask God to carry us for a while. Heavenly Father, please bless us now and carry us, Lord. Carry us with eagle wings. And we pray that you'll help us <coughs> to not be self-sufficient, not to be self-righteous and proud of ourselves, but help us be proud of you and uh, dependent on you and trust you with all of our might. As if we were out to sea on a great big ship, a Lord like Noah was out on the, the ocean uh, for several months. <coughs> and Lord, we thank you that you carried him and you carried the Jews across the Jordan River and you carried them on your wings out of Egypt. And Lord, we pray tonight that you'll show us how wonderful it is to depend on you and trust you and to uh, ride on the wings of the Lord. And we ask this that you'll teach us this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, what a wonderful thought, isn't it? Now, I know this goes against some of us. Um, I like to figure things out. I'm very curious. I want to know how everything works sometimes. But there's some things in life I don't need to know. And sometimes God just wants you to say, trust me. And so that's what that the message tonight is that that he carries us. Now, let's go to verse number one and through four in chapter 19. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the Lord, or excuse me, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. Now they're across the Red Sea couple million people crossed the Red Sea. Now they're in the Sinai Desert. For verse 2, For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. They're just about to get the, the law. They're just about ready. They're in the desert. They're all together now. And Egypt is a it's a memory now. Verse 3. And Moses went up unto God. So he goes up on the mountain. He's going to meet with God. 
And the Lord called unto him <coughs> out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell uh, the children of Israel, Quote, <coughs> Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, <coughs> and brought you unto myself. Do you realize tonight that God's plan from the start was that man would dwell with God? He wants us to live with Him. He wants us to be together. For all eternity, we're going to live in heaven and we're going to walk with God. We're going to know God. We're going to be with Him. We will spend time with Him and fellowship with God Almighty. Think about that. How would you like to have time just yourself with God Almighty? You think God has time for that? Well, I got news for you. He's got time. If it was just you and him for a million years, just learning about God, at the end of the million years, he's not going to run out of any time. Then he'd go to the next person, and he'd spend a million years, if he wanted to, with every single person on the face of the earth. That means every one of us, if we, if we wanted to, if, if he would do this, and I, I do believe that he can, and maybe he will. But I know this, none of us are going to be uh, dissatisfied when we go to heaven and say, well, God's spending too, too much time with Jack. He loves Jack more than he loves me. He's always with him. I don't think we're going to have any of that. There'd be no jealousy in heaven. He's not going to say, well, I'm sorry, but I, 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 need, uh, I need to spend time with Brother Carlson right now. Um, he's got some problems. No, no, no. He, he, uh, he doesn't. There's going to be none of that in heaven. Think about, think about just you and God Almighty. And, and surely the, 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 the one whom you're going to look at is the fully glorified Jesus Christ because he's the express image of the invisible God. How would you like to spend, uh, let's say, a billion years just you and God learning about all that he is? Okay, so <clears throat> for sake of time, we can't, we can't do this all night long and try to imagine this, but there's going to be no time constraints when we get to heaven. I want to know about God, and he's never going to run out of things to tell us either. How long has God been? That's the end of your thinking possibility. You cannot comprehend. There is a boundary to our comprehension. We cannot comprehend. We can get right up to the end of it and think, that must be amazing that God has always been. But we haven't always been. We're not eternal creatures from the past. We were born <coughs> eternal souls. And then salvation came and our soul was saved. And we were born of the Spirit, but then, even now, we have to die first, or the rapture happens. before We can't go to heaven right now. We've got all this uh, corruptible flesh. It can't even go to heaven. 
It's not allowed up there. You can't go to heaven in your corrupted physical form. You have to have a new body. But what is the end result? What does God do this for? Why did he make Adam? Did you know there was a day that Adam and Eve, there was a time period Adam and Eve had not yet sinned? And they had fellowship? There was, a, there was a space in time when everything was wonderful. What was that all for? God wanted to have a, a, a fellowship and companionship with his creation. He made Adam and Eve after his own likeness because he wanted to have them uh, adore him and love him and praise him and this fellowship. It's too, too much for our, our human comprehension to figure out why God created somebody with so much freedom to either love or not love. Um, we're, we're free people. We really are. You, there's, there's nobody that's going to make you and force you to believe something against your will. Mankind has a free will even though he doesn't get to exercise it. Is that right? How many people in prison would rather not be there? So their will is, if they had their will, they wouldn't be there. But they're constrained. So we are constrained. We have a will. Um, and God says we're free to want and to love and to have faith. It, faith is a choice. Nobody can force per, a person. But the old, the, old, um, <coughs> the end result <coughs> and the desire of God was that he would dwell with us. He wants to be our God. And he said, <coughs> I, I did unto the Egyptians, verse 4, I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you. Where did God bring those people? What's the Bible say? Unto himself. That's exactly what God wants today. He wants to bring you and I to himself very, very securely. So God's final goal after all life is on earth is over and after sin and corruption have been uh, eradicated, after the fire of God cleanses this earth and uh, purges it from all of its wickedness and makes a new heaven and a new earth, what's the end result? We're going to be living with God. We're going to be with Him. So His goal then, His final goal is right there that he, we, he would bring us to himself. But you can't do that on your own. You have to be carried to the Lord. Look at uh, Revelation with me. So the end, the end uh, I don't want to call it a game, but the end result of salvation is that you and I would dwell with God. I want to dwell with God. I want him in my life. I want to know him. I want fellowship with him. I get lonely. I get, I get cranky. If I can't figure him out, and, and like uh, Lester Roloff said, if I can't track him, I just trust him. I can't figure God out. I know that. I don't always understand, but I know this. God does understand. God does love us, and he wants us to walk with him. So tonight, remember, no matter what you try to do, at some point, you're going to have to trust the Lord to carry you. He'll carry you and carry you, and he loves to do that. Revelation chapter 21, verse number 1. Let's look at it real quickly. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, 
new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Notice that right there. The tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. God wants to dwell with us. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Why can't God do that right now? Because of human sin. Sin has to be purged and cleansed and wiped out, eradicated. The devil has to go to his place and the earth has to be destroyed. The upheaval and the corruption and the judgment, it all has to be wiped out, cleansed like a tornado, like a hurricane coming through Moore, Oklahoma. It has to just wipe everything out and then the peace and the quiet and the rebuilding. I'm looking forward to that. Because we're not going to be here during the tribulation. And that's a doctrinal issue. I hope you understand. We're not going to be here. Don't let any Bible teacher try to teach you that we are mid-tribulationists or, or post-tribulationists. Meaning that we have to go all the way through the tribulation and right at the last minute we get taken up to glory. Uh-uh. No way. No way in the world. Why? If you look in your Bible and you do a little study, there's a lot of horrible things that happen all the way up until the end. And the Bible says we're not appointed unto wrath. There's so much wrath in the Bible in the seven years of tribulation. It's pounding. It's corrupted. It's just, it's just terrible. So many people die. Green grass goes away. Islands are fled away. Earthquakes happen. Destruction and misery. Conflagration and terrible, terrible destruction all over the earth and everywhere. Nobody's escaping it. God's not going to do that to us. You know why? Because you have Jesus in your heart. We're saved. We're not just saved from eternal damnation. We're saved from the wrath of God. Now, how's he going to do this? Well, he's going to carry us. He's going to carry us. Let's continue. Uh, it says... In verse number 4, chapter 21, And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end, I will give unto him that is the thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Ladies, you are, you are actually in the, in the category of mankind. And when he uses terms like this, all, get, the, get the gospel to all mankind or all men. You're part of that. So when he says, and he shall be my son, actually, you are also a child of God. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. God doesn't want anybody to die the second death. 
He, it wasn't his original plan for anybody to die, period. Because death came into the world, uh, sin came into the world, and so uh, uh, death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all had sinned. The only reason we're going to have to die the first time is because sin came into the world. But we never, ever, nobody has to die the second time. So God enjoys it when we love him. God enjoys it when we trust him. God enjoys us. He, he, he loves to have fellowship with us when we rely on him and when we trust him and obey him. And the Bible says uh, the, the Lord has great pleasure in them that hope in his mercy and trust him and lean upon him. Nobody will ever be uh, ashamed. Oh, you know, I trusted God with that. Oh, how disappointing that was. No, no, no. Oh, I leaned on the Lord. I trusted him. I, I, I took his promise, and I, and I acted on that promise. And I know that God said this, and I, I believed it, and I trusted him, and I acted on what he said. Oh, what a mistake I made. Nobody's ever said that. Nobody's ever said, oh, I, I took God at his promise, and I'm the most miserable person in the world. Oh, I wish I'd have never gotten saved. Sorry about that. You don't have, you'll never find anybody talking like that that put their faith and trust in God. He wants to bless those that love him and trust him. So in, in the end, uh, God enjoys carrying us. Have you ever wondered how in the world you're going to get things done for the Lord? How are you going to make it through life? There are some things in which God doesn't need our help. How about I list a couple for you? First of all, we don't have to have any, we don't have to offer any help or any involvement or uh, any work uh, in our own salvation. Now, the only involvement that we have in salvation is that you, the one that got saved. <laughs> so you have to have that kind of involvement, but it's a gift, and you have to receive it, right? You have to do, you have to receive what God wants for you. There's the, le there's the involvement, but the ability to save yourself is absolutely devoid of, of any, any possibility. Nobody can save themselves. So I remember when I got saved, I thank God that I, I felt in my heart that I had better get to know this Savior. So much has said about him, I better, I better make sure that he is mine. I, I never thought that, well, I've just got to, I've got to get, get a hold of a pair of rosary beads and a cross. I gotta light a candle and I gotta get going. I gotta do something. I never ever had that thought. Now, praise God, that's because I never got to church. <laughs> but some churches teach you gotta do something. Well, I I must admit, before I got saved, I wanted to do right. So I decided, as a teenage boy, now I was 17, I, for a while there I said, you know what? I'm not gonna say. One more dirty word. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna cuss again. I had a friend of mine that said, "Man, you, you curse a lot," and I said, "Well, uh, I guess I do." You know, I, I was uh, shocked at him because he he cursed too. I said, "Well, why is he pointing this? I must have I must have uh, cursed a lot more than he did." 
I remember his name. His name is uh, Tom Trot. Anyway, he, he brought that out to me. I said, okay, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. I am not going to curse. And I wasn't saved. And you know what? It didn't last more than a couple days. And my, my mouth got me in trouble all the time. But I knew that I made it known to other people that I wasn't going to do it anymore. And so the fact that I did it again was real to me. And it hurt me because I had to face the fact that I, I just couldn't stop. Guess what the, one of the first things God did for me after I got saved? has to do with my mouth. He cleaned it up. And I was talking to, I think, uh, who was I talking to the other day? When they got in trouble, their mom and dad, they had a little punishment like some of us know, the old schoolers. They'd take a bar of soap and wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> There's some nasty soap. How, anybody know what the bar of soap lava is? That's the kind the guys use when they're out with construction. That, I think that was, uh, I can't remember what, oh, I don't, I don't know what it was. What, one of them was lava. I, I was the recipient of that more than once. But when I got saved, guess what? It ended. It ended. And, and, and that's what happens. When God, when God saves somebody, he doesn't need your help. He doesn't need anybody's help. And you didn't give him any help. You just offered yourself. Number two, guess what? He doesn't need anybody's help, not only in saving people, but he doesn't need anybody's help when he judges people. Aren't you glad that you are not a Supreme Court judge right now? Aren't you glad you're not a federal judge or a family court judge? How'd you like to be a, a judge that has uh, two individuals that... Um, are maybe married the same sex and then they both want to change and then they want to change back and then they want to sue each other and then after they sue each other they want to, they want to change everything get rights how'd you like to be a judge with that with have children that change their gender how'd you like to figure all that out i'm glad i'm not a judge half of them they need psychological help they really do because they, they have all these laws and all these crazy laws that are coming down and all this social nonsense and this social agenda that says you've got to care for everybody and you have to worry about everything and you have to be sensitive to every single thing anybody ever wants anytime they want it, no matter what they want. How'd you like to have to be a school teacher right now? You're always going to worry about getting fired if you don't say he, she, them, they. I don't even know. I don't, I don't care about all that stuff. And I'm glad that God judges and he can have it. He can have it. I got in trouble one time. A lady came to our church and she wanted to be called a, a, a male name. But I knew she was a she. And I, wouldn't, I would not comply to her. And I will never comply. I don't care. Send me to jail. If Bob was born a boy and his name is Bob, I'm never going to call him, you know, uh, Harriet. It won't happen. I'm not going to comply with that nonsense. But there's a lot of people that have to or they lose their job. They're going to get fired. And boy, if you know anybody like that, you got to pray for them. How'd you like to have to go along with that nonsense wherever you work? 
uh, there's there's a rumor here that you didn't call that person by their uh, favorite assigned name. Like uh, I, I'm glad I'm a preacher. There's never going to be. I'm never going to do that. Oh, she got mad at me. She tried to tell me her her male name. I said, "You're not a boy. You're a girl." No, I'm not. I said, "Yes, you are. You're a girl." Stop lying to yourself and stop lying to me and don't don't do that at our church. By the way, it's not welcome here. And there's no law in the world that says we have to comply with that stuff. And one day we may have to pay the price, but it's a price I'll pay. Amen? I don't care. Amen. Uh, it was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. All right. Now, Revenge. How many have ever wanted to take a little bit of that out on somebody? I have. Have you ever known somebody that was really worthy of it? And they deserved it. But God says, I don't need your help. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I know how to, I will repay. And I don't need you to get in your fingers in there and mess up the cake. I'll take care of it. I know how. And boy, aren't you, uh, let me tell you a story real quick. There was a fella, he told me years and years ago, probably close to 25 years ago, he told me, he says, I'm never going to give a dime to the Lord. I don't do that. I said, okay, why? He said, well, when I was a kid, my dad took all my money and he spent it for whatever he wanted. I'd get a paper out or whatever job and he took all my money and so I don't have to give to God. Well, Guess what happened? There were years that went by, and he didn't—he did not tithe, and he didn't give. He didn't—not uh, one time, not that I ever knew. And I don't go checking all the time, but he didn't give. He wasn't a giver. And guess what happened? You guessed it. All the wonderful things that he collected in in this uh, uh, barn, or it wasn't a barn; it was a, sort of a barn. And that had a, a, a really nice car in there, a real classic, beautiful, painted, gorgeous car that even I was lusting after. <laughs> I wanted to ride in that thing so bad. Anyway, uh, it all burned to the ground. You say, how dare you say that's revenge? I, I don't know. God knows what he's doing, right? Uh, all that money. Went up in smoke. I bet you. I bet you. If you if you think about it, God knows how to keep tally of all of our expenditures better than we do. And when He judges, He knows. He knows the cost of it. One teen pastor uh, in uh, in in Florida, <laughs> he went to visit a guy that had his uh, gallstones taken out, and uh, he asked the doctor if he could keep his gallstones. The doctor put him in a jar, put him on the table. And he woke up from surgery and everything, and he's, yay, there's my gallstones. And he was so proud of them. But he wasn't a giver. He wasn't a tither. He, he just never tithed and never gave to the Lord. And the teen pastor went in there because he had uh, hospital visitation that day. And he went in. He said, hey, hey, pastor, take a look at my gallstones. And they're right there on the counter. And he picked up the jar, and he said, those aren't gallstones. Those are tithes and offerings. 
I guess he uh, had, uh, I, I would never do that because I, I don't, God doesn't need our help judging people, amen? He doesn't need help saving anybody. He can do it all. He doesn't need help revenging and, and bringing, bringing uh, vengeance on people. He doesn't need any help with the weather either. He doesn't need any help with the seasons. God doesn't need help saving the planet. He doesn't need any help with the rivers and the stars. He doesn't need any help with gravity. He's got all that taken care of. He doesn't need any help with the crops. He doesn't need any help with the weather. He doesn't need any help with the rotation of all the planets and the sunshine. He doesn't need any help with the ozone layer. If there was one, he knows all about it. He doesn't need any help. There's no such thing as God uh, looking at man and say, hey, uh, clean up the climate down there. Hey, uh, take care of that climate. Oh, you guys are ruining the climate. No, we're not. We have nothing to do with the climate. Nothing at all to do. I had a, a, a Christian brother say, you don't think, you don't think that all that smoke and all that pollution in the world and all the cars all over the world isn't affecting the climate one bit? I said, nope, it's not. It's not. It's not. And you know what? There's no proof that it is either. <laughs> now, uh, how many have ever seen L.A. in the 70s? That was nasty. I mean, that fog of, of nasty air would hang down on the city of L.A. because the winds wouldn't blow and the smog was thick. Uh, once, once I took a knife and I actually cut out a piece of it and I uh, took it and put it in my... And uh, I went home and said, want to see some smog? And uh, no, I didn't do that. But that's what they thought. And it's so thick you can cut it with a knife. And uh, But, you know, they got rid of that. Did you know that? But that's not saving the planet. You know, when I was a kid, they had pollution. All the rivers were bad. They cleaned them up. That has nothing to do with the climate. The temperatures and the sunshine and the wind and the, and, and the, the seasons and the snow and the summer and the spring and the flowers. It's all just cyclical. It's a cycle. God doesn't need any help. And, you know, the Bible does say that the seasons will continue until the end. He doesn't need any help uh, keeping time. He doesn't need any help removing our uh, sins either. Isn't that great? Did you know, I, I, love, I love going through this because sometimes we forget. What did God do with your sins? Number one, I, I listed as many as I could find. Number one, he put them in the depths of the sea. Number two, he put them behind his back. Number three, he scattered them as far as the east is from the west. And then number four, he washed them and cleansed them with his own blood. And then five, I found it, he put them out of his memory. He said, I will remember them no more. Isn't that great? What did God do with our sins? He didn't need any help from us, did he? You know what, you know what God needed help doing? He needed us to hear him. And confess. That's all he needed. Um, he, um, he doesn't need any help preserving the Bible. He doesn't need any help finally carrying us to glory. When we die, who's going to take you up to heaven? There's no elevator. Jacob's ladder, that's, that was a dream. <laughs> he, saw, he saw angels descending and ascending on a ladder. 
Boy, can you imagine uh, 7 billion people trying to get on that one ladder? You don't go to heaven on a ladder. You go to heaven. God carries us, carries us on eagle's wings. Israel will be saved as a remnant. Let's go to uh, chapter 21, Revelation. Again, verse 11. And then, uh, then we're going to go to Isaiah. But lastly, do you, do you know that God will carry you through these hard times? God will carry you. And by the way, the older you get, the closer you get to having God show you, I'll carry you, I'll take care of you. He said he would. He, and he, just because David was an elderly man doesn't mean that God didn't stop loving him and didn't stop caring for him. Just because he was young didn't mean God didn't have time for him. God carried him when he was a youth and a ruddy youth, carried him all the way through his life. And when David was old, he carried him and he carried him to his father. Let's look at this. Revelation 21, verse 11. Having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Uh, it says, and had a wall great and high and had 12 gates and the gates 12 angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes, of the children of Israel on the east three gates and on the north three gates and the south three gates and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me and had the golden reed uh, to measure the city and the gates uh, thereof and the wall thereof in the city lieth foursquare and the length of it is large as the breadth and the measured the city with a reed 12,000 furlongs and uh, scholars tell us that this uh, foursquare city is about 1,500 miles. That's half the distance of the United States. That's just the city. As wide and high, 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles deep, and 1,500 miles wide. That's just the city. Think about what the countryside of heaven will be. Now, he says in verse 17, And uh, he measured the wall thereof in 140 and 4 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, the angel, and so we have all this beautiful seed. Now, how are you going to get there? Got, got a question for you. How are you going to get there? Where is that city? How are you going to get there? You know what? We have to trust God that he's going to take us there. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 40. And I, I love this verse. Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to finish with this. I hope you know, whatever you're going through right now, God has the ability to carry you. Many, many times I said, Lord, I, I just need you to carry me. I, I, I have to be carried. I got burned one time um, at, a, at a restaurant I was working at, a really expensive restaurant. I was part of the crew, the chef's crew. It was uh, Jack in the Box, and uh, I was in the back. Yeah, and I I slipped and I got burned real bad, and what happened was, uh, my buddy took me down to the hospital, 
And uh, I mean, burns burns get first priority. I I didn't know that. the The waiting room for the emergency room was just absolutely packed. There was like ten people in there. That was a small hospital back. And I go, oh no! And when I saw all those people, I freaked out. I thought, oh my goodness, I can't take this pain for that long. And one guy had a little problem with his foot, and uh, the, I, I said, I can't. I didn't say it out loud. I said, this is going to be horrible. And it only put me more in anxiety, and the pain got even more severe when I felt like I'm never going to get through this. They brought a stretcher out. They passed up all these people in the waiting room, put me on the stretcher, and carried me right in first. And I didn't know it, but burn victims usually get first priority. I was pretty happy about that. And uh, I went in, they took care of everything, gave me a shot of something. It must have been elephant tranquilizers or something. <laughs> I mean, it was like, I felt like a sponge just sitting there like a big, huge pillow. I, I couldn't feel anything. I'd touch something and couldn't feel it. I'd go, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> but my mom and dad came in, you know, they were all worried and everything, but it all worked out. But just the thought that they carried me, uh, there's going to be a day when we all have to get carried. And I'd say, we need to get carried away tonight. That's a joke. All right. Look, look at it. Look at uh, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 30, uh, uh, 31. But they, watch this now, wait, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I love that eagle thing, don't you? I love that. He's going to... Now, I've never ro rode or ridden on the back of an eagle. <laughs> It'd be so neat. Wouldn't that be great to have, have, have God just pick you up and carry you off? Anybody know that that's exactly what his plan for us if Jesus should come back before we die. It's called the rapture. The Bible says we'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to be caught away, carried away, carried away. And that's what God wants. Why is that? Because He wants to dwell with us. He wants us to dwell with Him. Um, I don't know about you, but I can't figure out why God loves me. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why he died for me. I don't know what he sees in me that he loves. I told my wife today, I said, there's two things that are biggest in a person's life to show that God loves them. Number one, salvation. And number two, to marry the right spouse. And you know what? Whether, whether that second one happens or not, that salvation covers it all. Because he loves us. I don't know why God loves us. I don't know why. But we need to love others, and we need to carry others sometimes. So carry your friend, carry your loved ones, carry your children, carry them like God does. Do all you can to carry one another, because God is going to pick us up, and He's going to carry us. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I'm looking for